This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me, as always, is Kip Adams. We're coming to you on Thursday morning as we get ready for Georgia to return to non-conference play on Saturday, game against Kent State. Uh, Kip, how is this morning treating you? Uh, pretty good. I, I feel like it, you know, it came earlier, but uh, I was glad to, to see it was a little bit cooler outside. Yesterday being the, the first day of fall, I did not enjoy getting tricked because it was, what, 92, 93 degrees outside uh, today. A little bit cooler so far, but uh, yeah, ready to get rolling. It feels like this, this feels like a true football weekend. A lot of really good games this weekend. I don't know if where Georgia's game will will rank up there, but, you know, that's who we're here to talk about. So. I still think there's plenty to be learned from uh, from Georgia this weekend, playing kind of a unique team in Kent State. So, yeah, I'm ready to, to dive in and, and get going. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's been good. And like you said, you can feel the weather kind of getting closer to fall, still, still hanging around those 90-degree days. I'll be interested to see what it feels like at noon on Saturday. But, you know, maybe give it two or three more weeks and maybe we'll finally get a little bit of relief as we get in the middle of football season. It definitely. I think, uh, you know, again, once once we start seeing the sevens and maybe a couple of sixes, uh, I'll really start to, you know, en- enjoy my time outside and, and time with the dogs and 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 uh, with my boys as well. But right now it's it's about uh, kind of just uh, in, in little spurts here and there. I, I feel j- kind of just like my dogs. Once I hit that 10, 15 minute mark outside. Uh, I don't care what what shape my uh, my yard is in at that point. Uh, I'm I'm done at that point. I'm going back inside. There's there's no doubt about it. Speaking of the dogs, Kip, let's talk about Saturday. You see that transition? That's why they pay me the big bucks right there. Uh, that was talented. Thank you. Uh, Georgia, like we said a few minutes ago, returns to non-conference play. They're going to host Kent State in a noon showdown. This is the second time Georgia and Kent State have played. The last time that happened. Kirby Smart was a player. I think he had a couple tackles in that game, a blowout win, uh, way back win. Uh, but let's jump right into it, talk a little bit about Kent State, talk about what we want to see and what we're specifically looking for from Georgia in this game. And I'll kind of start just talking about Kent State. I know that this is a MAC opponent, and, you know, obviously I think the line is something like 45 and a half. But this is a really good MAC team. This is a MAC team that went 7-7 seven and seven last year, won the MAC west division wound up uh, being the runner-up in that conference lost uh, to uh, northern illinois in the mac championship game uh, but a very good team and they played two of the toughest games of anybody to start this season played washington uh, lost that game 45 to 20 
next week turnaround go to Oklahoma. They lost to Oklahoma thirty three to three. That's a really talented team. I sat and watched a little bit of a of the Oklahoma game this morning and uh, really liked some of the stuff that I saw. You know, they kept them uh, scoreless in that first quarter. They were kind of hanging with Oklahoma and giving them a few troubles before the Sooners turned it on. And, you know, that was it to be expected. But uh, they've got a really good quarterback, Colin Schley. Uh, he is stepping up. Uh, they had the two-time Mac Offensive Player of the Year, Dustin Crum, had been their quarterback. He graduates. But from what I could tell from the broadcast of that Oklahoma game and just some of the things the guys were talking about when it came to Kent State was they really liked this new quarterback. They really felt like Colin brings a different element compared to Dustin Crum because he's really athletic. And you could see that early in that game against Oklahoma. There were several third mediums, third and longs where he took off and was able to convert. And you could kind of tell, again, it was the first quarter. I don't think there was ever really a situation where people outside of that game are going, hey, there's sort of an upset alert, you know, pay attention to what's going on in Oklahoma. But they were doing a good job of moving the ball. Uh, they've got Colin Schley. They got uh, uh, Dante Cephas is the guy that coming into this week was really the only guy I was familiar with when it came to Kent State. Had over 1,200 receiving yards last year. The broadcast of that Oklahoma game said his nickname was the Slim Reaper, uh, which in and of itself, I mean, that's all you really need to know. But I would expect them to try to get him really involved to maybe try to test this Georgia secondary. And then the running back that I thought uh, looked really good in that Oklahoma game was Marquez Cooper. Um, I would imagine they'll try to get him involved as well. And they talked about him being a receiving threat, which obviously uh, Georgia uh, knows about running backs who can catch the ball. And it will be interesting to see if Kent State is able to get those guys involved. Um, you know, I think on the whole, you know, we know what this game is. We know that the talent difference between these two programs but if you're going to play a MAC team, this is one of the better MAC teams. This is going to be probably not the top group of five school, but I think they're going to probably win, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine games. Sean Lewis, who is Kent State's head coach, who a lot of people probably saw his comments earlier in the week. Uh, I think he said he thought Georgia looked like the greatest amount of talent assembled, of, you know, of any team, any team he's seen. Uh, but to credit Sean Lewis. Uh, he's a really good head coach. I think either this offseason or maybe next offseason, I think he's going to have a shot at a Power 5 job. He's kind of off of the Dino Babers, Art Briles sort of coaching tree, and they've had success at Kent State. And when he got there, Kent State was not uh, consistently winning. They had a good run with uh, Daryl Hazel, who wound up going to Purdue, and, and things didn't work out there. But for a long time, Kent State was not much of a MAC contender. You know, it was very rarely – over bowl eligibility or even reaching bowl eligibility. Um, on the whole, this is a pretty good MAC team, um, but also at the same time, we know what that means. Setting up for Georgia and uh, and sort of what that should look like on Saturday. Uh, Kip, what is your read just on what you've seen or what you've heard about Kent State uh, going into this game? I'll be interested to see who, you know, depending on if they win the coin toss, if they try to take the ball first, we've seen that a couple of times against Georgia. I know that's not the most thrilling thing for me to leave with as far as what I'm seeing, but the reason for that is because this, this flash fast offense last year was uh, in the top 15, just as far as plays per game. Uh, they, they try to basically run a similar version to what you see at Tennessee with Josh Heupel, uh, uh, as far as just trying to be up-tempo no huddle uh it's kind of just like what art browse did at baylor and it's you just want to simplify things for the quarterback 
make that decision making as easy as possible uh, for him. And they like to mix it up with a lot of just power run elements as well. I mean, this is, you know, we mentioned the quarterback, we mentioned Dante as well as a, a big play receiver. George is going to have to to uh, know where he is on the field, but this is a team that runs the ball a lot. I mean, they that's that's where they start with. And so I, I think that's where you, you have to really, uh, you know, pay attention if you're Georgia. They're trying to attack defenses based on whether they see one or two safeties back there. They're going to, you know, evaluate that and, and figure out what play they're going to call. But that's they want to stretch teams vertically as well. So when you run that power zone read, you have an athletic quarterback, you, you know, you're going to get some vertical shots down the field as well. So it, it's an interesting uh, just match between what Dante Cephas brings to the table and, and what they try to do offensively. So for Georgia, I'm interested in seeing, you know, how they read that, how they react to something like that. If Kent State's out there early in the game and, you know, they're able to, to string a, together a couple big plays, uh, it, it could be interesting. And, we saw last week, you know, Georgia has given up a big player or two in the passing game. And how do they react to something like that? If, you know, if, if, if you're able to get Dante the ball on a couple early throws and he's able to, you know, to move the, the chains a couple times, how does, you know, how does Georgia's young defense handle that? You know, Kamari Laster, you know, had a, a big play he gave up last week where he just, you know, didn't turn around at the right time. It was really about timing. Uh, didn't get a great release uh, as well either. Does he have a bounce back game? You know, is he matched up with him sometimes? Uh, and how does he handle that? You know, coming off a game where he gave up a player or two, he, he would have liked to have had back. Uh, can, can he learn from that? And can he limit the, the big plays against Kent State early on so that Georgia can get ahead, get out in front, and, and kind of make this team more one-dimensional, which is kind of what Georgia, that's kind of been Georgia's MO this year is once you make the other, the opponent one-dimensional, uh, it, it's kind of been a wrap for Georgia the, this season. So want to see how they handle that. That's a good preview. I mean, they faced a couple athletic quarterbacks already as well. This might be the, you know, the best one they faced so far. How do they handle him? I mean, and we saw last year, this was, you know, with Georgia playing a, a team like Vanderbilt that had a mobile quarterback and then facing KJ Jefferson, uh, that kind of helped Georgia uh, prepare for a very talented quarterback. And I think there's value in Georgia's defense facing a talented quarterback like this, knowing that they're gonna they're gonna face similar quarterbacks down the road later this year. On the other side of the ball, I want to make sure we talk about that too. As far as Kent State's concerned. I'm kind of interested to see what this looks like. They run a 3-3-5. They actually have a new defensive coordinator who um, may have one of the best names in coaching, and that's Jeremiah Johnson. He came over from Northern, uh, Northern Iowa, I should say. And uh, they're running a 3-3-5 defense, and, and it's something that Lab McConkie and a few other players this week just, you know, I asked him what stood out about that defense. Uh, Kyrus Jackson as well. They compared it to what Arkansas runs. So, you know, they kind of talked about that it's not – completely foreign you know it's something they've seen before I was uh, got kind of uh, tickled at what uh, Kyrus Jackson was saying about Kent State he was like yeah I went in on Sunday and went into Brian McClendon's office and was watching some film and he was like man these these jokers can play like these guys they were looking at that Oklahoma game he was like they're a talented team and you know I'll be interested just to see Again, that's not a, a typical kind of base defense that we're used to seeing. And I, I'm really interested to see 
how Georgia goes about ta- attacking it. If we do, again, I feel like this is sort of a broken record at this point. Do they try to exploit that three-man front and try to run the ball more, or do they just say we've got better athletes than Kent State does? You know, spoiler alert. I mean, that's that's not exactly you know rocket science to know that. And to say that you know whatever defense are going to throw at us, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, and, and that's that would be my thought. I mean, that they're just going to keep going um, with the way they've run this offense through these first three games, and and do that again with. Again, a Kent State team that I think is solid, but you know we're we're not uh, we're not uh, breaking any news saying that Georgia is still much much more talented than this team. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, everyone's going to point to that first half against Oklahoma, uh, Kent State. I mean, they shut them down. I, I think, but at the same time, this is kind of what Kirby Smart tries to combat during the week and definitely during practice. You can't come out and sleepwalk. Uh, that I, you have to play to a standard regardless of who you're you're faced up against because these players don't get to pick who they play each week. And and again, the fact that they're playing Kent State and, and not Auburn or Tennessee or Florida, that shouldn't matter to them. And, and I think uh, where Kent State attacked Oklahoma early on was they made negative plays on first down. You saw a, against Oklahoma, there was a tackle for a loss on a run, then a sack. And then Kent State's offense held on to the ball for, you know, sustained drives. So Oklahoma only had four possessions until that last bit of the half. So I, I, I think that's where, you, you, you know, again, a noon kickoff again. And you have to adjust to that and continue to practice to a standard and come out and play with that mentality because uh, you, you start to fall into that, which is what Kirby Smart fights all the time, complacency. Uh, the, that kind of, uh, you know, those tendencies will creep up on you later in the year. So, again, this opponent, there's a value in this. There's value for Kirby Smart to to show his players we can't just come out there, go through the motions, you know, win 28 to 7, but not play up to our standard. And then, you know, later in the year, that comes and bites us because, you know, we're better than what we thought we were. We have to go out there and learn about ourselves and push ourselves. And again, if that means the starters are, are not playing toward the end of the third quarter, that's, I mean, that it get, there's value for the other guys getting snaps. So that should be the goal for these starters is to play well enough to where you're not playing toward, you know, the end of the game. And I, I think that's, that's the mentality that Georgia should have. And I think they're capable of doing that obviously against this opponent, but, yeah, there's some different looks you're going to get from Kent State on both sides of the ball, and they have some talented players on offense. So go out there and uh, you see, you know, test yourself and, and see how you match up with some of these guys. And I, I think, like I said, for guys like Mario Lasseter, the guys in that secondary, uh, I think they're going to be t- tested. And also for the running backs, they're going to have an opportunity to make a lot of plays because, again, this is a team that I think uh, – I, again, it's like a two to one uh, run to, run to pass ratio for this team. If if I'm remembering my stats correctly, they already have you know four players with over 100 rushing yards. Marquez Cooper's got 51 carries already on the year. Like you said, the quarterback, I think he's the number two rusher. He's averaging over seven yards a, car- a run at this point. Uh, there's value in, in being able to face a team like that and get a lot of reps uh, against a unique offense, but one that you're also going to see versions of later this year. No doubt about it. And, and we're going to see, uh, you know, learn a lot about uh, how they're going to attack Georgia and how Georgia steps up to it. Because again, um, it's going to be some different looks really on both sides of the ball. And it'll be intriguing to see what that looks like. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about what we expect to see Saturday and some of the things we want to see, the things we're going to be looking for from the Bulldogs as they get ready for the last non-conference game until we get to Georgia Tech in later November. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, let's just jump back into it, Kip, and talk about what we want to see on Saturday. And I'll kind of start. The thing I'm very interested in is how Georgia handles the injury situation, specifically A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Carter. I mean, based on what Kirby had said after the South Carolina game, actually talked to the media on Monday, it sounded like Jalen was really close to full go for that South Carolina game, and then they decided, well, um, we're going to kind of limit him a little bit. He wound up playing 11 snaps, obviously not uh, what he would have played, but still wound up with two tackles, which just tells you what kind of freak Jalen Carter is. Then A.D. Mitchell, I mean, there's been one word used over and over from Kirby, and it's just hopeful. You know, we're hopeful he'll be back. You know, you would have to think if things go according to plan for Georgia, that they can kind of ease Jalen Carter through this game, perhaps just like they did against South Carolina. And I'll be interested just to see if they put A.D. Mitchell out there at all. I mean, it's a situation where you want him to be healed up for the the long haul, for the, the really the SEC stretch of this season. You know, Kent State uh, is shouldn't be a problem for Georgia. I mean, the fact that Georgia played so well and the receivers made so many plays against South Carolina, you know, without A.D., I, I think you don't want to push it. You want to allow him another week to try to heal up. And, and get a situation where when they're taking that second trip, uh, road trip of the SEC play, this time next week going to Missouri, you want him to be available. And, and even if he's not available for that, have an Auburn after that. Um, you know, that, that's sort of my take as far as the injuries. If you can ease these guys through or, or maybe not even play them much at all, I mean, it, it may be really, really helpful when it comes to the long run and what Georgia wants to accomplish this season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think – you take any risks or any chances this weekend. It, it's just, you, you know, you know that you have some, some big time games coming up. You want to get them on the field because this still is that time of the year where even guys with experience, you want to make sure you're getting them snaps and, and just making sure they're continuing to, uh, you know, gain more experience because even the guys that have played a year or two returning starters, I mean, uh, these guys haven't reached their potential and there's still room for improvement with a lot of these guys. But uh, the, the ROI on that, you know, that return on investment for getting a guy out there that's banged up and risking getting him hurt for the long term, it just it doesn't match up. So I, I think you're right. I mean, if there's any chance of any of these guys not being ready, then you hold them out. You, you, you play it safe as best you can. 
That's why you have the depth that you have. You're also at home. You have the full roster, you know, at your disposal. So, you know, why why take any chances in that regard as well? But it's obviously something we're going to be watching because it kind of shows us maybe where some of these guys are. You know, if, if these guys are, are 75, 80 percent, uh, Herbie's probably not going to put them out there. But if we see him on the field, uh, th- that bodes well for, for wh- you know, where they were, you know, in, in their return from injury. So, yeah, I, I mean, we know what A.D. Mitchell can do. We know obviously know what Jalen Carter can do. Uh, but especially with A.D. Mitchell, you do want to get him back out there because you're going to be depending on him. You want that chemistry between him and Setson Bennett to be, you know, as uh, clear and clean as possible. So, yeah, there, there's value in him playing this weekend, but not if he's banged up. So we'll, we'll just see what, what happens out there with him and some other guys. But uh, I, I think what we're looking to see is, uh, you know, some of the, the younger guys, because you're not going to have that opportunity again. Like you said, they don't – Georgia Tech's at the, uh, the end of the season, uh, and unfortunately for Georgia Tech, that's the other team on this schedule. Uh, maybe, you know – other than Vanderbilt, Missouri, but you know, Missouri's on the road, so you're not gonna have the full roster. But as far as getting some younger guys out there, uh, this is kind of it for a while. Uh, if you're you know, because when you're going on the road, you can't really you can't pull all those guys on here, you have roster limitations. So, uh, this is still a big chance for a lot of these other guys to get out there and play. And I think Kirby is going to utilize that as best he can. Yeah, that's the situation. And hey, another game that maybe they're able to work some guys in based on how things are going right now, that Auburn game in a few weeks, uh, the fact that that's at home might be a little bit helpful. Uh, But uh, the situation too, um, going off of the injuries, talking about things we want to see, I stick with the receivers and specifically a few of the younger guys. Denylon Morissette, who missed out on a touchdown, frankly, in that South Carolina game, wasn't able to make a catch on a uh, Carson Beck throw. Um, you know, uh, Dylan Bell, who started and then wound up not having any receptions. Jackson Meeks, who is a, a young guy out of Phoenix City, Alabama, and, uh, you know, has shown flashes. But I want to see some of those guys step up, even if AD is available. You know, even knowing that guys like Lab McConkie and Karis Jackson are going to be playing, I want to see some of those younger guys kind of take that next step against an opponent that, you know, we, we know the talent difference. And I think those guys, specifically Dylan Bell, I mean, being a true freshman, I thought it spoke, you know, really highly of him that he started that South Carolina game. Now, you know, you can only put so much in who is out there on the very first snap. You know, it, it does. it's not the end-all, be-all. But we've heard so many people rave about him, and he's looked good, and he looked the part during fall camp. You could just tell, even as young as he is, uh, that he's going to be a really talented receiver. This is the kind of game where I think one of those guys, a guy like Dylan Bell or Denylon Morissette, can rise to the occasion and play really well. And then on the other side, I want to see how they handle, again, we're talking about a Kent State offense that likes to run a lot. This may be the best chance of these first four games of seeing what kind of run stuffers Georgia has, You know, seeing how they handle the run, seeing guys like uh, Nazir Stackhouse and Warren Brinson and some of those guys in the middle how well they do of, of stopping an opponent that comes in knowing they want to run the ball and also understanding that's going to be very hard against this Georgia defense. But I don't see how those guys hold up. And then the guys behind them, Bear Alexander, Christian Miller, uh, some of those guys getting a chance to play and, and what they're able to do with it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, Zion Logue, some of these guys have talked about, you know, they haven't really gotten to where they want to do as far as want to be as far as stopping the run. But at the same time, this is a team that also likes to 
take vertical shots downfield. Is this the game where we see that whether this defense can, I mean, they've, they've affected quarterbacks, but that's that one stat everyone still looks to, even if it's a stat that it's kind of dead as far as the people that really do analytics and look at football are concerned. And even Kirby smart, he, he uses havoc plays, but it's just the game where we can see what kind of pass rush Georgia has, you know, when, when they're trying to extend plays and, and get, get the ball downfield to their guys, can Nolan Smith, can Robert Bill and or whoever, if they're, you know, if they're seeing, sending small Munden, uh, can they get home and, and finish, finish a play like that? We're, we might be able to see a little bit of what they bring to the table, you know, at least in the first half in that aspect as well. And, and if they're not getting home, how does the defense handle that in the back end? You know, if, if, if they are pressured with some downfield plays, uh, how do these cornerbacks, how does Keely Ringo again, Lasseter and the safeties, how do they handle it when the play is not in front of them? That's the one thing that you know, the other teams so far this year have kind of played into Georgia's hands a little bit with, you know, quick strikes allowing Georgia to just play back and, and, and keep the play in front of them. What happens if they're, they're stressed a little bit vertically? I want to see how Georgia's defense handles that. Uh, and so that, that's an interesting aspect in this game. I don't think Kent State, they're not going to try to attack Georgia over the middle in the passing game a lot. Uh, so, you know, that's one thing that you're not really going to see in this game. But that's, that's just uh, one aspect I, I, I'm ready to see. And, yeah, I want to see the wide receiver rotation as well. We've kind of we, we've seen what the tight ends can do. Uh, you know, who else do they have out there in that rotation that can make plays and, and who Stetson can trust down the year, uh, down the season? Is this kind of one of those games where you see a little bit more uh, guys in the slot? You see Karis Jackson a little bit more. You see Dominic Blaylock a little bit more because, uh, you know, with the tight ends on the field a lot, uh, that position's kind of been minimalized this year. But maybe this is the weekend where you see a little bit, little bit more of that and, and see those guys able to, to get the ball in their hands a little bit more. Made sure in the thumbnail for this uh, episode to put a picture of Darnell Washington because I feel like we could get some some uh, high quality highlights out of him if they throw him the ball. He was asked a little bit uh, last night just about blocking, and he was like, "Somebody asked him, do you ever look across the line?" And you know, the guy you could tell is kind of freaked out about having to go against you, and he was like, "Every week, man, every week." <laughs> so he might be able to make some plays in this one. Could you imagine six seven trying to go against There's that guy? I mean, there's there's no one there's no one like him. I, I really think in college football right now. I mean, when he tells everyone his his size, the fact that that's still something that beat writers tweet when he, I mean that's been his size since he got to Georgia. He hasn't changed. He was six seven and a half. You know, pushing. He was over two seventy when he, when he came to Georgia. The fact that he's still that size still kind of blows people's minds. And it's just the fact that he can he can catch passes. He can be a legit pass catcher out there. He is not the guy where, you know, the, the PA announcer has to tell you that he's wearing this jersey and is an eligible receiver. You know, <laughs> he is an eligible receiver when he's on the field for a reason. He's a legitimate pass catcher. and I mean, that that's why he was ranked highly coming out of high school. Uh, that's why he'll be taken highly in the NFL draft. And, and and for Georgia, it's I mean, it's it's not they are not underutilizing him. They 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 have other guys. It's all about running the offense they want to run that Todd Munkin wants to run and, and keeping defenses on their heels. They spread the ball around. This, this is a yards after the catch offense right now. And it doesn't, that's not just like guys that can make people miss. You saw Darnell Washington catch the ball and fall forward. And he just gained like six yards by falling forward. Uh, those are yards after the catch. And that's something he brings to the table as well. And they have, 
all of those guys that allows Stetson Bennett to really thrive and, and allow and get the ball into his playmaker's hands without having to hold the ball a long time. And, and he doesn't have to push the ball vertically downfield on lower percentage throws because these guys are all big time playmakers after they get the ball in their hands. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's Georgia's offense right there. And until a defense shows they can stop that, it's what George is going to continue to do. Let's get ready to wrap this episode up Kip, by talking about our predictions for Saturday. I'm going to go Georgia 45 to six. I, I do want to note, I'm pretty sure I'm and three picking against the spread with Georgia this year, because the two, the Oregon game and the South Carolina game, I was like, Georgia's going to win, but they're not going to cover. Did that Sanford game? I was like, eh, I think they got a chance to cover that spread. Didn't happen. Uh, but I'm going to say they that Georgia does not cover that 45 and a half point spread. 45-6. I think it's a game that by halftime is very much well in hand. Expecting the offense to continue to move the ball well, throwing the ball, and again, you know, as something Kirby Smart has talked about a few times at this point using those little throws out to the perimeter, things like that as part of the run game, you know, that, you know, that is technically how they kind of see using that part of the offense. I think we're going to see more of that. I think Kent state's going to move the ball a decent bit. I, I do again, really like their offense and what they've been able to do. And I think they'll probably be a contender again in the Mac, a, a conference that, you know, a lot of the times there's usually those two or three teams that have really established themselves, you know, Toledo, Northern Illinois. I think that Kent State's right there, um, but I don't think they have enough to keep up with Georgia. I'm going to pick Georgia 45 to 6. I like it. I like it. I think one thing in this game uh, I haven't really mentioned before, uh, I think Georgia is going to continue what they've kind of done defensively this year, and they're going to force turnovers. And I think that's really an, an aspect where they're going to be able to take advantage of Kent State, not just the fact that Kent State's going to have to take some chances against Georgia. But I just think that's kind of where they are with, with Colin Schley. I think he is a guy that is willing to take some risks. And, I mean, it might. I think it gets them a couple of big plays when they need it, but I think it's also going to result when in Georgia's secondary, again, with probably, I'll just say, two more interceptions in this game, you know, may, maybe both by safeties. Maybe this is the year where Georgia's, you know, safeties just rack up the interceptions. I know that, you know, Malachi, Dan, and, and Chris have four interceptions between them this year. Uh, maybe they come out of this game with with, with six in the back end. Uh, I just think that's kind of where this game, uh, I feel like for Georgia defensively, they're going to end a couple drives with turnovers, maybe one with a big return as well. Uh, so I see Georgia, again, being able to do what they need to offensively. I don't see them really being pushed a lot in that aspect. Uh, as far you know, the run game, uh, you know, someone asked in the chat, you know, if I'm if we're worried about this run game, I just think it's just part of the offense. I think that is again what Todd Monken's wanting to do. He's using the passing game to be an extension of the run game, but that's also means that that's that's where the run game is going to be. It's going to be about just kind of setting things up outside. They're they're both balancing each other, and later in the year, uh, I think that's going to result in there being more you know more uh, run lanes inside for Georgia's running backs. And at the end of the day, if they're giving you know Kenny McIntosh or Kendall Milton the ball, and they only need to get three yards to get to the you know uh, uh, to the end zone, it's all they can get. I said that on the earlier podcast. I think that's kind of uh, messing with the stats a little bit, but it's just one of those aspects that we're going to learn later in the year. I don't think we're going to learn this weekend whether Georgia's run game uh, is, is an issue or not. And at the same time, the fact that they're averaging more per carry this year than they were at this point last year means that. It, 
We didn't really know where, you know, where things were last year. We don't know where things are now. Uh, but I, I think they'll be able to perform pretty well this weekend. I, you know, I do think it, it should be a, a real big game uh, for Kenny McIntosh. I think it just really bodes well defensively. Uh, Kent State, I don't think they're going to really be able to cover him. I think he's going to make some big plays early on in the game when he's on the field. I think Georgia wins this game, I'll say 52-6. to six. Uh, I guess that does mean they cover. I think last I checked, it was it was at 45. It, it danced with, I think it, it got close to 47 for, uh, for a while as well. But I think it, at 45 right now, you know, you're, you're, you're right in that mix of, of covering with that. I think Georgia does that and tries to stay healthy, get some of those younger guys on the field again, and, and move on to next week as, as they uh, kind of go through this, uh, they kind of slog through this slate of games because I'm not, entirely sure that the team they play next week is even is better than Kent State and Missouri uh it's about as bad as you you know you're going to see from an SEC team right now you know we've seen Vanderbilt struggle a while but I don't know Missouri is as bad as we've seen them since they joined the conference so just the fact that that's an away game uh brings a new element for Georgia but this weekend staying healthy getting out there, get some guys some experience and again maybe learning some things uh on, on the defensive side of the ball as well yeah, mentioned in Missouri, they play at Auburn on Saturday, and I think it's at noon as well. If uh, you really want to just suffer, put that on your second screen while you're watching Georgia-Kent State because that, that might be a game to about 10 points. I think that's going to be an ugly, ugly game. And uh, we will see with your prediction, Kip, as far as uh, Georgia, because they say good, team, good teams win, but great teams cover. So we'll see if that winds up happening. Uh, well, we're going to get out of here on that. Appreciate everybody watching, everybody listening after the fact. Everybody tuning in on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, we really appreciate you, your guys' support and uh, watching our stuff and listening to our stuff. And be sure to share this episode. Right now, our dog has got all kinds of good stuff. Um, but we're going to wrap it up right there. For Kip Adams, I am Jordan Hill. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure on Saturday to be looking out for Kip. After the game, he'll have his wrap-up episode talking about Georgia and Kent State. And uh, I'll be up in the press box wrapping up some stories and, and letting you know everything about what the dogs were able to do. So we'll get out of here on that. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And until next time, take care. Go Braves. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.